for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Create opportunities, eliminate failure points, and then close the deal. Sounds simple enough, right? <laughs> Look, y'all, it's awesome and something special when it goes that way. But this here is elk hunting, and you're going to work your butt off for each and every opportunity. And then those failure points, well, those dadgum puppies will show up at the worst time. Next thing you know, it's elk one and the hunter zero. That's why this series is so huge. It's your chance to learn where we've gone wrong over the years, what we feel are some of the biggest failure points for you to avoid, and how you can turn that opportunity into a win. That discussion, some Elk Bros shout outs, and scenario questions from our Elk Bros mailbox, you are not going to want to miss this. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for our blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas from Spring, Texas, the host of your show. And from the DFW in Katy, Texas area, that's right, we got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house. 
Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterón. They're in the house with us tonight. <laughs> and from Burnett, Texas, the Flatlander himself, Mr. Cole Wilkes is in the house. <laughs> and you got it right. The boys are back in town from Boston, Massachusetts. We got the elk hunting coaches in the house here from Cimarron, New Mexico. WWJGD is in the house. And the ninja, Leroy Chab Chavez. <laughs> we got them all right here, ready to go. Tee it up. Joe? <laughs> well, let me tell you what, man. Chav does more than just kill elk, bro. He he tears it up out on the ocean when it comes to that fishing, man. <laughs> and I heard Joe was feeding the fish. Oh, my. I, I have my color back. I got my color back because, bro, I was green, man. <laughs> green with envy. So, All right, Joe. So how you felt – at sea level is how we feel up in the mountain. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Turnabout is fair play, Joe. You want to go in circles? All I want to say is when, when we have you guys at the mountains, we don't let the mountains keep going up and down. Oh. Yeah, but you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, and we got to give a shout out, man. We got to give a shout out to Dylan and Ty. Ty, who has um, the Blue Highways Charter out there in Westport, Massachusetts, man. These guys, um, they took our family out and showed us a time, man. I mean, yeah, you know, I think some of you guys talked to Dylan ahead of time because when I started to get green and he looked at me and he's like, no, can we go in? I was like, no, bro. I mean, I was like taking it for the team, yeah, right? I was like, oh, man, we're not, we're yeah, not going to do that. Know. They're having fun and everything like that. I, I could have sworn I saw a wink to something like that. Yeah. They took us further out, man. Uh, yeah, they taught you about her. They taught you about geometry, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bass a long way off joe they had to go i mean when you hear them you gotta go to them joe that's yeah. right <laughs> hey, they found them they found, they found them yeah. Crazy. yeah how cool yeah. karma if karma <laughs> how cool would it be if we could have cold. like a like that daggum sonar gig to find elk man that's pretty yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt joe listen man we have our own sonar yeah what is that it's called the soloist <laughs> <laughs> there you go, bro. That's a good Touch shameless down. plug. Yeah. Yeah. we do, man. Just like that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of. I believe a couple of our captains have it, don't they, Joe? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, and they'll fact, be on uh, the hunt wars coming up. Uh, we Looky there. There's Cole with one right there, man. There you go. And in fact, Cole, Cole will be headed to Utah here in a couple of weeks going to go compete with the boys man so next week next, next or, week uh, oh yeah. wow next good week. luck good luck over there what days yeah. are you going up there brother um i'll be there at the calling championships on thursday um i think it's the 23rd um and then we'll be shooting the total archery challenge event um that saturday as well. that's cool awesome. are they gonna broadcast yeah. it or i was gonna say yeah I don't know. I, I I think I'll probably go live on my channel. Kyle's going to be there. Oh, so cool. um, we might just broadcast it live right there at the event. Um, on your YouTube so channel? Have, yeah. yeah oh, oh cool. Yeah. That, that's awesome. be cool to see at least a short clip, man, next time. Yeah. yeah. Of, of, oh, yeah. You know, you, you actually Winning. using it. And, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know about women, man. I, I'm no out there this is my first ever, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, uh, it's gonna be been, cool. You know, look, ripping bugles cool. and having fun, and you know, it's gonna hey, be man, good content. You know, for if everybody it, out there, if if you ever feel down there, just think about you. Manana would always do it worse. So <laughs> <laughs> just, just lift your chin well, up, and man. It's, it's really cool. cool. You get to, yeah. you know represent yourself and then the Elk Bros crew, man. So That's it's right. going to be really cool to have you there. Oh, yeah, we're real proud of you, man. So that, I mean. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. The, the part I'm proud about is the same thing that we tell people about calling is a lot of people are intimidated to get out in the woods like they're going to mess up, man. And the thing yeah. is, is yeah. go out, get after it. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. And what, Cole, you're actually doing is, is you're putting yourself in a pressure situation where, man, it's very similar to being out in the woods so that, you know, how many times has somebody been out there and they wanted to get out a real quiet cow call and it's like, yeah, yeah, get your latex broken in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, every time, and then you try to fix it, and it just sounds even worse. And you're like, you just shut up, <laughs> get another one. <laughs> oh, uh, immediately you think, oh man, I screwed that up. <laughs> another uh, Elk Bros announcement is is our Vacru camo. Um, we had our pre order, and that's being shipped out this week to those people that had ordered. But I ordered, I think it's twenty total. Um, it might be 20 or 40. I think it's 20. I ordered a limited supply to put in our store um, oh, for, for people to have a chance to order that if they want to order some. So keep your eye out, man. By the time you hear this, they might be gone, but we're going to put Vacru Camo in the store, and we're going to try to do that more often and keep that in stock in there. So we're Sounds excited good. about that, man. So, hey, guys. I'm um, trying to get my order in. It, yeah, everybody it, get your order in because it, it ain't going to last long. It's after um, July. We're ready to rock. It's so good to be together again. Good to see all y'all's faces. <laughs> Everybody's refreshed. Manano looks like 007 over there. So Definitely. Dapper, <laughs> Dapper Dan, man. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bro shout-outs. If you're new to our show, it's just shout-outs to a few seasons. Most listeners topping our charts this week. Absolutely, man. First, we're going to thank those folks giving us those incredible reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And we even got some from Podbean, man, this time out there. So I want to make and look, guys, we love seeing those five star reviews and you what you it's just so cool that y'all take the time to let us know how much you appreciate what we're doing and you don't know what that does for us it really means a lot it helps us out as well because when we get those reviews that helps us out in the ratings and it helps us to have our show so we can bring this to you guys so thank you thank you thank you first one goes to j boy and dude he he said this was the most educational elk hunting podcast he's ever listened to man so Thank you, bud, for that. Um, Ed Morris, you guys remember that name, Ed Morris? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He says he listens to every podcast. He's on Basecamp, and he says Basecamp is the best teaching program on the market, man. And when I, you know, it just, um, 
I, I just makes the chest well when I hear people say things for sure. like that. Well, if they only knew how much time and effort you guys, you two, you and Chad yeah. put into that, yeah, it's, for sure. It's a lot of time, man. Zach yeah. Fisher. Zach Fisher said, epic content, man. And Zach, we Sweet love you, bro. Uh, Joel Adair. <laughs> Joel, Joel, remember last time Joel said that something about he wanted to have, you know, Luis with him. And uh, because he said that he's always hearing that Luis is last on the totem pole, so he's going to have to be hunting with Luis then. But he, but he had words from Manano, he said, Manano, keep practicing your voice out calls. He said, man. So, <laughs> that's what Joel does. He does stuff with his voice. He calls He out. is freaking incredible. He sounds like he has a freaking diaphragm. It's a pro. Unbelievable. It is real pro. If I did yeah, that, I'd Way cool, Joel. <laughs> if I did Yeah. 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 Crazy. And then uh, Big Sky. Uh, both Joel and Big Sky were out of pod <laughs> And uh, Big Sky, we don't know who, what your real name is, man, but thanks for the kind words. Oh, also want to remind Grinders, now that we're back, if you want to be a part of the show, just send a 15 to 20 second shout out video um, of who you are, where you are, um, a little 5, 10, 15 second bit on why you love where you're at. Send it to us, man. Just a little message. You can send it to me on the Elk Bros Instagram. You can email it to joe at elkbros.com and just send that clip. And if you email me and you don't find a way, I'll make sure you get it to us. But since we don't have a clip, I do have something special. And I got a bunch of these that we're going to start including either here or we're going to put them on our website site and guys um this is really really cool man we have this week's tip this is an elk bros tips from bob the billy goat (laughs) it's bob the billy goat collins giving you this week's tip check this out hey guys this is the old billy goat with the tip of the week i'm going to talk to you today about little things i carry in my pack that you may not have thought about it benadryl I carry a few in a little pill bottle like this in my pack at all times. You get busy breaking down an elk, those yellow jacks just seem to come out of nowhere. Before you know it, there's a ton of them on your carcass, unless there's snow, you know how it is, but it's the warmer weather, hunting. Uh, I got stung in the lip one time, my face swelled up. A few Benadryl and a little pill bottle like this guy could save save your life. Eye drops. kissing your elk, baby. Burn your eye and burned. Very important to keep some eye drops. This one I'll keep in my pack. But what I do do is keep it at base camp. Out there with the weather, with the air so dry, this nasal spray helps tremendously to keep your sinuses lubricated up. Man, it makes a difference of, of getting a headache or not, too. Big, big. Maybe 10 gallons for Monano. But not least, if you're going to use chapstick, take the beeswax lip balm. It's got beeswax in it, which will double as a lubricant. I use it on the slide on my cable guard. I've used it on my fishing pole. Uh, the ferrules putting it together so they don't stick. A little bit of lubricant sometimes can go a lot of ways, guys. All right, guys, hopefully that helps you out a little bit. Make your, your stay out there a little bit better. This is the old Billy Goat. Stay safe. <laughs> He's a pro. Sweet. <laughs> For sure. We're going to have to talk that Billy go about kissing his dadgum elk, man. He's getting stung in the lip by him. 
<laughs> more yellow jackets, man. Hey, that's I love mine. I'll tell you right now, boy. I love my elk, but I don't know if I've been down there kissing on him enough. And, uh, and a lot of people don't <laughs> understand that. A lot of these people have never been out hunting elk. Oof. Don't understand what happens when you're working an elk. And these yellow jackets could care less how big you are, who you are, and they start cutting on that meat, and they're all over the place, man. You know, Joe, last year we didn't have to worry about that because we had all that snow. Nope. But yep. the year before and every year after before that we've brought a tent that's got uh, a screen yeah. around it so we can keep them off of us while we're butchering you know yeah. uh because they're brutal they, and i'm i'm very allergic to them so i always have benadryl with me for sure absolutely man now guys for our top listening city this top listening city is well known for its national historic landmark the hitchcock house Built in 1856, the station was used by the Underground Railroad movement during the Civil War. The city is located along the East Nishnabotna River and Lewis Cold Spring Lake. Popular tourist attractions include the Danish Windmill and the Viking Lake State Park. And this is in Lewis, Iowa. Lewis, Iowa. Lewis, Iowa. The Midwest shows up in the house. Yep. Guys, up next, this second largest city in Sheboygan County in Wisconsin is known as the cheese capital of the world and ground zero for the Wisconsin cheese industry. It is estimated that 14% of the nation's cheese is processed and sold right there. It is home to some of the biggest brands, including Sargento, Sartori, Masters Gallery, and the Great Lakes Cheese, in none other than Plymouth, Wisconsin. Plymouth, Wisconsin. Man, I'm, I'm cool. glad you got to pronounce that one, Beto, because I would have been like <laughs> plied mouth like, yeah. like that, man. I would have no clue. Well, luckily my wife's from Michigan, and Sheboygan, there's a, a town called Sheboygan in Michigan. <laughs> So, so I knew what that was. Fourteen percent of the nation's cheese, man, and I just imagine. I mean, that's on. But there's got to be got to be a ton of cheese, cheese man. A lot of cheese, man. <laughs> I hope those folks aren't stopped up. That's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> <laughs> Eat some avocado, you'll be all right. <laughs> Eat some avocado. Hey, yeah. Imagine if you get there and you're uh, you have a, a dairy allergy, man. That would suck. Ooh. Up next. Where else can you host a Winter Olympics and the World Water Skiing Championship? With 355 days of sunshine, this city in the western province of Alberta is located at the western edge of the Great Plains and foothills of the Canadian Rockies and is also known for the, one of the world's largest and longest rodeos, the Calgary Stampede a 10 days rodeo trails visitors from all over the world. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Calgary. Yeah. And you guys have never been there and been to the, if y'all like rodeo, there's nothing like the Calgary stampede. I mean. You've been there? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I, I, I ride wild on talisman. horses. <laughs> Manano says, I ride wild horses. Yeah, he sure does. And uh, <laughs> that Calgary I've, I've seen I've cool. seen Manano also not ride. Wild I can horses. give you I can give you a clip of no, him riding the wild, horse, wild okay. horses. Okay, so Manano, I can send you a clip of him actually just eating he, dirt. He lashes. I mean, <laughs> so jealous. Eating dirt is what he does. No, but, but all, all seriousness, man, the Calgary Stampedes like one uh, none other. No, I I called on a company called Talisman in Canada 
and uh, they're there in Calgary. Their home office was, so I got to spend quite a bit of time there. And so actually, a lot of I think Luis's boss lives in. Calgary. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the uh, ex-Talisman guys are now with the company I work for, and so a lot of them are still based there in Calgary. So I, a lot of my colleagues and uh, are there. I talk to them on a daily basis. Yeah. So let, let me ask you a Neat question: town. Is it? I have seen a race that comes off of a hill straight down. You know, a whole, I mean, a massive amount of horses with riders on trying to sprint down the bottom of this steep hill. Is that the Calgary Stampede? That's the Stampede, yep. Oh, my God. Those guys are nuts. Absolutely, man. (laughs) Cowboys. Real cowboys. Yeah, that's a cow town right there. R.C. Knox kind of cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) Not not Manano's kind of cowboy. None of that. (laughs) So this city started as a flourishing farm and ranch area, but is now known for its gas and oil industry. Located at the confluence of three rivers, it is the retail and industrial center of the entire Four Corners region of New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona. This top listening city is also home to the 57-year-old Connie Mack World Series, and the nearby San Juan River has some of the best trophy trout fishing in the world. None other than Farmington, New Mexico. Farmington shout out, man. That's Proud cool. to have that. That shout out right there. That's straight oil field town right there, buddy. Yeah, gas. Go check out gas? that fishing. Well, yeah. A lot of gas right there. But let me tell oh, you yeah. what, a lot of people don't realize, and God, I don't know if I should say this on air, man, but that area, you would look at it and you'd think there's no way there's any elk in this country. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's some good elk hunting around Farmington and different areas up there. I mean, it's right, you know, on that that southern Colorado border, too, up in there. there, Yeah, there's some tremendous stuff. But I did not know that it was the home of the Connie Mack World Series. And that's really cool. cool. Awesome. This borough and the city in Pennsylvania is rich in history. And the site of the Battle of Gettysburg the turning point of the Civil War. It is now home to a national military park and the site of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Uh, The park has 1,400 monuments and statues across the battlefield, making it the largest outdoor collections of sculptures in the world. Uh, It was also the summer White House of President uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania in the house. Look, you can go there, see the largest outdoor collection of sculptures, and then go bear hunting, right? Yeah. 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 I'm (laughs) sure. I wonder if there's any elk around there, because Pennsylvania's got some elk in it. Oh, yeah. I I guarantee you there is. How how cool would it be to, uh, you know, hunt elk in an area like Gettysburg? I mean, yeah. That that would just be fantastic. Yeah, or the hills of Kentucky or something. And I heard they they start to get some big big bulls out that way. Absolutely, man. Anybody been to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'm playing on Whitetail hunting up there in the next couple years. Awesome, man. That'd be way cool. Uh, Send us some pictures. (laughs) I've been in Pittsburgh and Cannonsburg and a bunch of area in Pennsylvania, but I have not been to Gettysburg. Correct. Me neither. 
So the topic of tonight's show, guys, um, we promised everybody that we would finish up our top 10 failure points and how to eliminate them. And what we've done is we have talked uh, in the process of a number of failure points. And But I want to tell you which ones I have in our top 10 list that I've kind of looked over and see what you guys think about this list so far. And we're going to finish up tonight with some things that – we think could possibly break into this and then we will finalize our top 10 and we have some really cool uh, questions at the end in our mailbox I'm anxious to get to as well but failure points our top 10 list and we'll see if we can break into this with what we have tonight poor shot selection limited calling ability or not calling uh, depending on a range finder poor decisions after the shot and with a lot of people, man, they do a lot of good things, and then it's just the follow-up. Not understanding arrow trajectory can be a huge mistake out there. Letting your nerves and emotions get in the way of focus and execution. Thinking no responses equals no elk. Not hunting fearlessly or sticking to known trails and areas during daylight hours only. Not having backups to your backup, backup bow, release, rangefinder. And not, and this would be one of the 10, and I haven't ranked these, but, you know, just in that top 10, not inspecting your equipment and depending on equipment that may be worn and ready to break down. You know, so, and, and uh, you know, on that note, before we jump into our next ones here, you know, I, uh, a, a word called Loctite. If you're not using it on some of your screws for some of the things on your bow, uh, I would recommend it because you're getting that ATV like Luis was talking about, that UTV, get some vibration in your truck. Things have a tendency to come loose. So that's something to talk about. So uh, how do you guys feel about that list of top 10 so far? Yeah. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Super solid. Absolutely. And now we're going to amongst find out. Amongst all the other things we've discussed. <laughs> amongst all yeah. the other. Oh, yeah. In which we're like hunting elk where and when you have yeah. the smallest window for an encounter. Um, shooting at extreme angles and not bending at the waist. Yep. Not practicing your shooting during a hunt. Staying yeah. locked up with an elk in a losing situation. Eating foods or dried meals for the first time on a hunt and having digestive issues yeah. can be a, a huge failure. You've got plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, you not eat too having, much paella. Ooh. And not having a structural <laughs> solid fixed broadhead. Now, there might be argument on some of those, whether they go into that top 10 or not, but, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of where we've been right now. So, uh what I'd like to do is we want to jump in right away so we can see what possibly what else could help these people out. Because, look, the whole reason that we're doing this is we want all of y'all out there to understand that we don't know everything, but we've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And we've learned from a lot of mistakes. And more than once. More than one. Absolutely. And we're oh, still man. learning. You know, I mean, it's a journey, man, and we're still learning. 
but we call those learning moments, man. And, and that's, that's the only way you're going to get better to put yourself out there, try things and have those learning moments. And, you know, that all comes down to attitude, comes down to mentality, comes down to aggressiveness, comes down to putting yourself in good position. So let's, let's talk about some more of those tonight. And which of you guys want to go first with one that you have that you'd like to add to this? For me, for me and I, and you and I've had this happen to ourselves, just because of the style of hunter that we are, we're aggressive and we, you know, we like to cover a lot of ground and move hard, move fast, uh, especially uh, when it ain't going on. But when you feel like you're in the middle of them and you've got one talking or something like that, um, and they're talking back to you and they, they don't, they're not like hot yet, but they're talking and then they shut up. Okay you're thinking the whole time, well, maybe, maybe they've gone, maybe they left, right? You really need to exercise some patience and give that bull 30 to 45 minutes. If he started talking to you, because chances are, this is a big failure point. I've had this happen on several occasions where we step out thinking that it's all over with. And he's looking at us like Dumbo. (laughs) And I think, I think we did talk about that on, on, on our last, last podcast, right? We actually gave a couple examples of that too, um, where, you know, we thought it was done with, and then, you know, case, you know, one example was my bull, and I was telling Manano we should tell Joe to wrap up and go because we've been here for 45 minutes and nothing's happened. And Joe is probably going to, you know, turn purple up there from calling so much. And yeah. just when we said that, that's when they started responding and coming in. So, and I think that's when Joe, you, you brought something up about at least 45 minutes to, to solidify a good. Yeah. You want to be in that. If you're doing a scenario, you know, like that. And, and I think Gilbert is basically what he's saying is a failure point is sometimes patience and giving your, your, your call up a chance. Yeah. You're set up a chance. Yeah. 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 Giving yourself a chance. Especially if you got some type of communication going on, Joe, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's communicating and there are several times when I, I could have swore that it sounded closer, you know, a lot of time you got wind swirling and stuff like that. So if they turn a certain way, they're going to sound closer to you, but it's that, it's that when they bugle back at you or they get, you get in a response and then you got nothing for like five minutes, you know how much ground an elk can cover in five minutes? buddy. I mean, they can go a long way. So that's why I'm saying, even if they're a good ways off, doesn't mean they're not coming. You know, they can, um, yeah, they can very they can, quickly be close. <laughs> just think about how how far they can go in two minutes. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes they can. It it can take them friggin' twenty minutes to go ten yards. Sometimes yeah. they're taking their time yeah. and eating yeah. and yeah. working yeah. a tree and you know. Yeah. When you got a bull coming looking, and he's interested, yeah, man, he's going. He's coming now. We got a firsthand see see of that two years ago when I killed that bull, and he was way a long ways off and went into a wall, and we got to see how far he'd come and how long it'd take him. You know, but I guarantee you that was every bit of 30 minutes, you know, yeah. before we yeah. put eyes on him. And then it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's going to do this. And then it was another 30 minutes before we got an arrow mm-hmm. into him, you know. Right. So it, the thing is, you guys got to believe in your setup, especially if you got something talking and be patient. And then, you know, just 
especially if you got a bull that you thought that was kind of interested, you know, now if he sounds further away and he's going and he's sounding off them cows and he's got a roundup bugle going, well, I mean, there's a whole different scenario there that you can tell, Oh my gosh, but you got to remember something. There were probably some satellites with him that didn't say a word. Oh yeah. But they could be coming the whole time. And if you do not, honor that setup your chances are you're going to pop out it happened to me joe me brendan and chad we we put on an awesome scenario and then nobody is looking behind us now why would a bull come in downwind from you straight up your butt and you're going well there's no way we'd seen he'd smell us right Uh uh-uh something happened that that bull was 45 yards behind us and we when we turn around he's looking at us like a calf looking at a new gate you know and not none of us looking for him so uh that's another thing make sure somebody's got your six if you're not looking back there by yourself because they will come in downwind you bring up a a like a few points there gilbert one was i want to remember the word belief I, yeah. I want to remember the words um, satellites, okay? And I yeah. want to talk about the wind up your butt because, you know, <laughs> remember all three of those. Not out your butt, up your butt, right? So, right. <laughs> but in the re- <laughs> the reason that I'm that I want to talk about that is is a lot of people don't realize that in forty or fifty yards, because the wind's doing something right where you're at, it could be doing yeah. something different, just a little ways away from you. Yeah, catch you a know? draft and it, turn yeah, it to just, the left it, or bend it absolutely. to the right. Absolutely, man. So, you know, you've got to pay attention and, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, when we had that big seven by this last year coming in and I'm putting on that show and that sucker came in right behind me, it's the last place on my six that I thought it'd come. <laughs> exactly. Know? I mean, yeah, we got the wind going that way. So right on top. It's crazy. Of it. Yeah. But, right on top of it. And the, the other thing was like when you said satellites, yeah. right? Because here's the thing. Guys, you gotta, you cannot throw the season in one barrel. In other words, elk are going to act differently on September 1st than they are on September 8th, than they are on the 15th, than they are on the 22nd, than they are on October 1st. And because of what's happening with their mode and with cows coming in and out of heat, where they're at, because once those big bulls get cowed up because that early season they're not those big bulls are in the wings man they're they're letting the little guys waste all the energy and that's when you're going to have timid bulls that have cows and that's when you're going to have elk that are coming to you silently or you're going to have a cow coming estrus out of the blue and things are going to blow up and just because they haven't been called by anybody especially <laughs> september 1st right chap yeah <laughs> Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, we hunt the dumb ones, man. We don't mind that at all. <laughs> you know, Joe, as, as we've been doing this series and everything, yeah. I harken back to when you and I had that, that bull with a whole bunch of cows. There were actually multiple bulls and a whole bunch of cows. We got in between him and his cows, and we're like, this is a done deal. He's going to walk in front of us at 25 yards. And, and he walks off. Him and the other bull here, bulls the other direction, But what we didn't, what I really didn't understand at the time was how that other bull bugled. 
he bugled like there's a hot cow. There were no hot cows in that group of cows. Right. When that bull took off, we should what we what I should have known then and I know now, oh my God, the woods are fixing to erupt with yeah. hot cows, right? Yeah. So yeah. we were in a scenario that and and we knew because that area was hot the whole time, man. Yeah. It stayed hot the whole so year. Had know? we done that just what attracted that bull had we yeah. done set up the scenario that we had a hot cow yes and, and see that's the point i want to make is that change when, when you have that herd bull that's sounding off like that understand that there's going to be satellites around some quiet some being verbal that can come into your setup right yes. so absolutely just because you're you're hearing a herd bull doesn't mean that you're necessarily hunting the herd bull. There's right. ways to hunt that herd bull, but if you want to get an elk, man, I, he if he is sounding off and he's got another elk sounding off because he has a hot cow, there are going to be multiple bulls around that, and they're going to be looking for some action. Joe, yeah. I think you could do a whole other podcast on hunting a herd bull. Oh yeah, just just because it's so. It's not an easy thing to do at all, especially if you got a big herd with him. Uh, yeah, and on top of me, that, you, and my brothers, I mean, I feel like we're mostly opportunistic elk hunters, right? The first one that gets in the, in the way is going to get it, you know? Yeah, uh, they I think can that's all a, get it, you know? I think it's a great idea, man, herd bull scenarios. Yeah, yeah and, and the yeah. thing is, it's, it's such a broad topic, like uh, Beto was saying, not only because of the difficulties of it, but also because it, it's different depending on the time of the year. Absolutely. Yep. And a herd bull does not necessarily mean the biggest, baddest bull. Because That's early right. on, right. if that's that, right. the dominant. Yeah. 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 Or, or it could be one that has the cows at the time, right? He's got the herd at the time. And Good he point. is not the dominant bull in the area. You know, mm-hmm. he would right. he would like to be, and he's practicing to be, but he not necessarily is. <laughs> yeah. I like Manano. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, whenever I shot my bull last season, um, I was actually calling to the herd bull, and that's where I was going to approach. And I ended up seeing movement, you know, before I was like, well, it's definitely not the herd bull because he's way down here to my right, and I'm seeing movement over to the left. Next thing you know, two satellite bulls come walking right up. One of them was the giant five-point, and the other one was the bull that I ended up harvesting. Um, And they never made a sound other than I heard a stick pop or something, um, and I just so happened to catch movement over to my left. Uh. Um, So always keep your your head on the swivel for sure absolutely man because he said that's a bonus yeah you know yeah (laughs) he's not the only one invested in what's going on there is a reason that elk are verbal and there's a reason other elk have ears man is so that they know where to go so that they have they can breed and that's exactly right you got to keep after that now the other thing gilbert the third one that i was talking about we talk about the wind we talk about the those satellites but you said a word belief and what i think a lot of i think a lot of people go into scenarios not truly invested not truly believing that the noises they're going to make is going to bring in until they have it happen they're like and how listen all you listeners out there that have hunted for a year and you went out there and you called and you stood up to walk away because you didn't think it was really working and there's a bull staring at you and then you're like what 
hot dang it works right yeah yeah yeah. somebody hit him in the face with a shitty mop (laughs) (laughs) you know i i think of rick last year you know told rick it was early season move through that transition area cow calling but look off to your right look off to your left they're going to come in silent and he said after the fourth bull i think it was fourth or fifth bull he was like you know what that I was going to totally, I, I became a believer and I was like, I'm coming out and I am really going to focus the whole time instead of letting his guard down. He had to believe that when he was calling, elk were coming to him. And in doing that, his first year elk hunting um, kills a five by five, man. So that, and that's just tremendous. So you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to be invested. Why are you calling if you don't believe in it, man? That's just like, that's like standing at the free throw line, getting ready to shoot and going, I ain't going to make it, you know, yeah. but you, you know, I, I don't get it, you know, so prayer. Yeah. You got to believe it. So I, I, yeah. I totally agree. That's a, that's a great one right there, Gilbert. Uh, Manano, what about you, brother? Well, I want to hear I a bunch a of bit. failure points. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the points you, you, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, I got a bunch of it. Uh, okay. But I think the, the greatest one is the uh, uh, poor shot selection. I know yeah. we talked about it, but I wanted to uh, bring it up because uh, uh, our learning curve went this way. <laughs> And then flatten after we, uh, I say we because I love Luis and he was involved also. Uh, <laughs> I get that we, <laughs> we discovered that, that after Beto taught us <laughs> about the shot placement on the hogs, I got many, many, many uh, disappointing moments about taking that decision and, 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 and taking the, the shot placement. And uh, another big one is the, uh, uh, the, 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 after, after the shot, I, uh, I shot a, a, a big 10 point in public land. Uh, and I, I thought I was, I hit in the right in the pump station and I, uh, I went down to three, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes after the shot and I found blood everywhere. But I jumped it. I jumped it, and, and I couldn't find it. And that, I mean, that that was a really <laughs> depressing moment and, and, and a horrible experience. And, and, I, and I think you're just reinforcing why we probably have poor shot selection as one of our top failure <laughs> points, man. You know, yeah. uh, and and poor decisions after the shot. Th- those kind of <laughs> there are so many people that, and it's happened to me that you can see an arrow go in perfectly where you think it's a it's a dead animal and i've heard people talk about this and again i'm not downplaying anything i just hear them talk about this that especially with only a two blade where they've seen hit ribs and for some reason deflect into a 90 we had a bull a big bull shot um when i was guiding and that arrow went in behind the shoulder and came out the back hip now tell me how that happens. I have wow. no idea. But deflections like that can happen, even though you think it's great. That's why had he, you know, they waited that amount of time, they wouldn't have ended up jumping that animal and yeah, making yeah. it a little bit more difficult. So, Joe, were y'all able? To, were y'all able to find the arrow after the shot? 
I yes, yes. So it was it, actually it, sticking out the back end of the animal. Okay. Yeah. So he ran a little ways and it fell out. Yeah. No, I, he, they, found, they found him with the arrow in it. It's oh, gotcha. So it never came out. Never Y'all came couldn't see. Out. It reamed. So, yeah. Man, I, I tell you what, I, and that's a great, I'm glad I asked that question. Cause if you can't find your arrow, that's a four hour minimum wait. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. gotta be. I mean, you can't find the arrow. You don't know how well he's hit. Depending on how much blood you see or the man, kind I, of blood. I don't care. I really don't care. If I can't, if I can't tell, you know, if that's a long hit animal or, you know, yeah, and I guess you're right, Luis. You know, if you can tell, I mean, that blood's frothy on the ground. It looks pretty good. And you can see it but, on both sides frothy. Yeah, oh. yeah. or he falls out inside of you. Sure, time to go look for him. But, <laughs> man, if he didn't fall in sight where you could see him and uh, you can't find your arrow and the blood's thin, man, you better give that animal a lot of time, you yeah. know, totally. because we don't know how it turned out. You know, mm-hmm. could be a, a, a kind of come out down there on the liver, like Joe, Joe said, low. And I mean, that's a six hour minimum weight. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think I think as a hunter, we we must follow procedures. And yeah. we, we keep following the procedures, even even if, if you are pretty confident of, 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 of you made a great shot. We have to follow procedures and that's it. We have to wait. And, and, it's, and, and it's let hard. Joe go peak. <laughs> and it's hard man it's, they fell down. especially you know you know you, you've been waiting all year right uh to to have an opportunity you take that opportunity and now you have to wait like beto you've got a few instances where you had to wait until the next day right we all had those instances yeah. and yeah. Uh, i had it too look, and look how and, long you had to wait this year yeah and then it's it just so hard it's so hard to do but you, so you always kind of have to tell yourself that um, it's going to be worse if you don't do that because you're going to, you, you can potentially jump the animal and then now you're never going to find it. And then you're going to be regretting it. And I hate regret. Yeah. Like I said, man, <laughs> if you just get one lung man, they are so athletic and they can cover so much ground in five to 10 minutes. I mean, you, they, they run a mile. In five minutes, easy. My, per, my, my very first year. Yeah. Joe, I mean, yeah. how many miles? Yeah. No, I. I it's it was a freak day of nature. <laughs> to this day, I'm like, I, I just don't. Everything that I saw there, you know, said that that we were getting ready to walk up on a dead animal. Everything I saw, and I mean, I have never seen that amount of blood without seeing an animal within a hundred yards, you know, hoof up. So. Yeah, Did y'all I mean, ever find that arrow? Hmm? Yeah, both pieces. Yeah, oh, pieces. Yeah, both pieces. Yeah. So the he, he the the arrow punched through both sides, and then he broke he it. it. He broke yeah with the shoulder blades, and yeah. we found both pieces of the arrow. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. it made absolutely no sense. So I wonder if that could have happened too, Luis. You know, you hit him behind the crease and it bent that arrow forward and it yeah. come out the front of his chest. He only got one lung. Well, man, that's that's what we've always said is it was yeah. one lung. So yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's why, guys, y'all got to make sure that on your your spine uh, on your arrows. I mean, if you guys want to learn about arrows and the proper way to tune them and get you set up for your setup, y'all need to get after the VM hunters, man. Cause these boys are, they solid with arrow, uh, setups, man. I mean, that's what I was good. We're, we're learning, we're learning, but you know, it's, it's been a cool learning process. 
See, I, I think Luis is changing his philosophy on shot placement to, you know, just hit them with a pile driver, man. They'll go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and, I, and some, some Put of that. Put a nuke on the front of yeah. that thing like some, Rambo, man. Some, just of like, oh. some of that's cool, but, man, those elk are just made for, they're made for, yeah. develop, you know, absorbing punishment. They're, they're tough so animals, they man. They are super Absolutely. tough. Absolutely. But yeah, the more reason, the, the more of the reason why, more of the reason why is you should, you should be, yeah. uh, you, you should have proper bullets. <laughs> Dang right. <laughs> Don't show up with hollow points when you need a dead gun. Now, belt, if you're belt. a dead eye, like, you know, like, like Joe and, and Beto, then you just, you know, you're, you're so good at shot placement where you can see the ribs and shoot in between and kill them right there. Then, okay, that's a, that's a different deal. But you know, if you're rookie like me, man, you want to, you want to just look at the vitals and then just let the arrow do the rest. You know, I don't, I don't know. I I've always used a chisel tip and I don't know if that tip keeps keeps that arrow going in the right direction instead of, you know, deflecting off with multiple blades. I use sand blade, and I have never had an arrow, you know, knock on wood, man. I've never had an arrow deflect to an angle with that chisel tip. And, and by chisel tip, you mean punch cut. Punch cut, yeah. It, a punch cut, Trocar but not cut. a conical. It was a, you know, it has chisel. that, you yeah. know, I, I believe that a chisel tip, I call it a cut on contact because mm-hmm. of the way it is chiseled in that that mm-hmm. point is, I mean, it it's punching through immediately. It's not a conical, a smooth conical. So. Right. Look, look, Joe, as my son was growing up, he was shooting 38 to 40 pounds, you know, in his little bow. And uh, he was shooting a Magnus two-blade, two uh, buzz cut and didn't have the bleeder blades on it, but he was shooting it because it's a great cut on contact broadhead and it is sharp as you know, all get out. But the first deer he ever killed, he shot him. I'm if I showed you the video, you're like, Oh, that deer's dead as a hammer. I mean, he shot him in the crease and it went right through him, zipped right through him. Animal ran off. First deer he ever shot with a bow. At 22 yards, okay, just blew through him at 38 pounds, just right through him. And I'm like, man, that came out of there quick. I was expecting him, you know, to carry the arrow a little bit. He ran off. We got down and walked down there to the arrow, and I got really in, you know, you know me, I'm going to wait an hour and a half. Uh We get down there, and we're waiting an hour and a half. I get down there, it's really dark red blood. I'm like, man, I played the video back. I'm like, Liver blood. Man, that's that's got to be that's got to be lung shot, but it ain't. He hit a rib and it turned that arrow and it come out in his punch on the other side, so it missed. It got the first back half of the first lung and then it went to the left and shot out his punch. It and smelled that, the, the arrow smelled pretty bad. Yeah. Oh man, like we knew. So we just went back to the house and then we went and got Jorge. And uh, I told him, I said, let's Dogs. get the dog. And uh, so we got the dog and man, we, this was five hours. We put the dog on him and the deer was still alive. He couldn't hardly get up at all, but the deer still alive, raised his head up. And, you know, he tried to fight the dog a little bit, but he couldn't, but look, we got full liver. Uh, and then uh, he was probably a, a good quarter of a mile. Uh, maybe wow. not a quarter of a mile, maybe 250 yards from where Logan had shot him. You know, and uh, that's his first deer. That's the last thing I want to do is lose his first deer, yeah. you know, with a bow. He killed a 
boatload of them with a rifle, but he'd never shot one with a bow. And uh, so we got him, and that's the first thing I wanted to look at when we got back was I saw where the exit wound is. I'm like, you know, I played the video, but there's no way. That's exactly what happened. That two-blade broadhead must have hit a rib or something, and it turned that arrow to the left. And, of course, you know, he's not shooting a real spiny shaft, so we probably bent that arrow and shot it out the other way, and we just missed all the good stuff. And as soon as I moved him to a heart craft or, or a – a cut on contact three blade broadhead right he started blowing straight through stuff and never having that that stuff where it went Flexion. left to right i've, I've never i've never and i've shot a lot of elk and i've been around a lot of people who shot elk and i've never yeah. had that happen but there's one thing i want to bring out this that i think could be a, kind of just a nugget for some of the people listening is that if you shoot an elk deer or anything and that animal drops hard like that Get another arrow and be ready because most likely that animal is spine hit. And it could even be spine numbed. I've seen that happen as well. So that means that animal can get back up. So you got to be ready to second it. Another thing is if you walk up on an animal and you see eyes closed, um, (laughs) if you see chest what look for that chest if you see ears up if you see that head and those horns are in an up position you have a live animal you've got to be ready to dispatch that animal put a second one in you know because it can be a dangerous situation you go up there and you you know think that that animal's down and you go up too close and it gets up to defend itself you're talking about a very very strong there was a report last season of somebody that died absolutely yeah yeah. Yes. So doing exactly what you signs. said. I, you know, people always think that you see movies and they show somebody's eyes closed, they're dead. That is mm. not the case. No. It, it, when when an animal is dead, the eyes are open. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're open, and uh, you know, you can, and then you check for those other signs. You look for that chest. You know, are those ears up? Are those ears, you know, are they moving? Is that are those horns up? You know, check for those different signs like that. Okay. Yo, I shot a white tail a couple of years ago, a really nice ten point, and I blew through both shoulders. And when I blew through both shoulders, he he, when that arrow hit him and went through him, it's like you shot him with a thirty odd six at about fifty yards. It dropped him in his tracks. Just, I mean, straight down. I'm like. Oh my, what a gift from the gods, you know? He just hits the ground. Yeah, he was alive 45 minutes. You know, yeah. that ain't cool. No. You know, I got to go down there and deal with this giant buck who's still alive for 45 minutes, picking his head up because it paralyzed him. It hit him so hard, it severed something <clears throat> in his spine from the shoulders, and he couldn't move his back legs. He yeah. could get his head up off the ground and kick his front feet, but he couldn't get his back legs up. It never touched his spine, but it broke his back when it hit him. Chav was standing right on my shoulder when I shot a bear that got spined. And that bear turned, lost his back legs, turned and came at me just using the front legs. (laughs) Not good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He still got the business end going. The business end (laughs) was coming. I would still be running, man. The lawnmower (laughs) was coming. (laughs) 
I think I had three arrows in him before he died, just about at my feet. Mm, wow. Man, yeah. That's awesome. That's scary. But again, <laughs> man, was look. Like, Chad was like taking off. Chad was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Chad, <laughs> you got to remember, these aren't guns. They don't Chad shot. Chad <laughs> shot Joe. He's like, yeah. yeah. Joe run the bear. Yeah. He's got to outrun Joe. That's the only reason I, I stood the hamstring. Because <laughs> Chad had tripped me up to make sure that he could get away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're lucky Chad was even there to begin with. As soon as Chad sees Barry, it's out. I'm out. Let's go. I'm out. Yeah, that's my back, right? Hey, yeah. so while we're talking about you, Chad, what's your what's another failure point for you, man? Well, I think uh, we might have talked about it already, but uh, selecting your setup site, you know, make sure you're an area where you can kneel and you have the shooting lanes and make sure there's not a branch that's going to hinder your drawback. Uh, and a good backdrop is always nice because usually when they come in, they're looking past you, they're looking above you, beyond you. And I think you mentioned it earlier, make sure you draw when you get that opportunity because if you don't draw, you don't shoot. But I think one uh, thing that a lot of people still overlook, even though it's an obvious thing, is uh, be aware of the wind and thermals, especially in the mountains. Because it'll it'll vary, you know, from ridge to ridge. So you know, got to be aware of that. Too. There's people that don't understand the difference between wind and thermals. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve, so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And we talk to them about them a lot. So if you can always go back to our podcast on scent. 
and check that out. We talk about thermals then. I think we have a write-up on in on our website on thermals there, so that's huge. But you know, when when Chad, when you were talking about setups, you covered a a lot of stuff right there in just <laughs> in a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. and and I there's still there's still ranging. You know, if you have a chance, rings some landmarks around you, you know, trees, trunks, rocks, if you have time, because a lot of times you don't. Yeah, if you got a partner with you, make sure y'all know what your job is, you know. One of the things I I learned, um, and I think we've talked about this in the past too, is when you're getting set up like that, don't be afraid of making noise. You know, if if you're – if you that have to fits, break some you know? branch, well, I agree. I agree. If, if the elk are not within sight and they're still kind of coming in and you need to break a branch to kind of make yourself comfortable, or you break a few branches on the, on the floor where you're trying to move stuff away that won't break when you, when you get on your knees and draw, um, just don't be afraid. Just try to get set up as quickly as possible. Some of that sound gets kind of disguised with nature and, the movement of potentially another elk. Um, the that's thicker better. the better. The thicker the uh, better. So and the other thing is little. avoid the spotlight with the sun. So just try to <laughs> just yeah, try to make sure. Yeah. yeah, it's try try to make sure that your kind of your shadows cover you a little bit, so you're not out there just shining like a light bulb with the sun at your face. So what's the what's the best situation to be in with sun and wind? Sun in your on your back, wind in your face. Wind in your face. Yep. Sun at your back, wind in your face. And a lot of times you won't be able to get that. I know, no, you're not. But but the scenario is going to be different. Yeah. Well, man, you know, you got to find you a place to get in the shade and get in front of cover, not behind cover. But it's so much harder. It's just like any of us, man. If we don't have a a hat on with a visor, you know, to block that sun and it's in your eyes, it's hard to see what's happening out in front of you. And the elk got to go through the same thing. You know, that's why I killed that bull with a decoy because we had the sun at our back. We didn't have the wind in our face. We had a crosswind, but, you know, we had that sun at our back enough so that it kind of blinds them boogers out there. But, you know, the, the reason I wanted to say with Luis, it depends is, you know, the tighter the situation by the thicker the vegetation the less you have to worry the more open it is then you know then they can come into an area where they've heard a sound 60 yards away and and they're going to stop and scan right Mm -hmm. so that that's when if you're going to make that sound you might want to move up real quick um as silent as possible so that they still think they're back there or you may call them behind yeah you start calling behind you yeah so there's there's things you can do to mitigate that but you know uh, especially if they're if you're partnered if you're single and you're partnered is two different things right Okay, um, you know, how you've done your scenario, if there's cows, if there's multiple elk that you're doing in your scenario, all of that stuff kind of feeds into the picture that you're painting there. But, Chav, when you were talking about the setups, dude, I truly believe, and, and the reason I said you did a lot of things, you talked about, when you talked about setup, you talked about, like, when you're setting, you know, as far as, 
always have everything behind you, nothing in front of you, unless it's low ground cover. Never having branches around so that you're not able to draw. In fact, whenever you get in position, you automatically get there and you start turning so that you know that you're able to draw in the clear there. And like Luis was saying, if we're in a situation where it's thick and we're, we've got a tight setup and we have branches, man, break them puppies. Make that noise. Mm-hmm. We can care less about that, right? Um, so Chav's kind of talking about his placement on the setup. And I want to say, I want to take that a step further because I think that uh, how and where you set up is the biggest mistake most hunters make. Because like Luis said, in that situation where you have a long way, and let's say that you have terrain, you've got to find a place that's tight either through vegetation or terrain. In other words, if I have an animal come into the area, I had better be doggone good at what I do to keep that critter from hanging up 60, 80 yards out there. 60 might not be, you know, that's that's still Gilbert's kill range, right? Unless that booger is just standing there staring at you. Then when he's turning, uh, that gets a little bit more difficult because you have a wary when you want him in there tighter. But most people don't set up so that uh, that they are within shooting range of what I call an elk stop and scan location. All right. So what do I mean by stop and scan location? Do you, you guys follow me on that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that the next stop and so Go ahead, Cole. Oh, yeah, you're set up in you're set up in front of something, some brush or tree or whatever it might be. So then the very next obstacle should be your shooting distance. Yeah. And that bull has to come through that obstacle. And so the, the first time you see him is whenever he's coming through that obstacle. Yeah. That way he's right there with you, you know, in your he's range. Already within your, your range. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. so think about this. You've come into your house and you're looking for your wife. How do you check each room to see if she's there? Right? No, Manano, you just don't get to go. Just, you don't I'm, come on, go find your mother. When don't I get open to do the that. door, I just listen. I just listen and Manana everywhere. She jailed. He got nervous, man, when you said that. He's like, oh my God, is she here? What's going on? If you came into the house and you think somebody might be asleep or napping or something, you go in and do you go into each room and go around all the way? Into, no, you come to the doorway, you stop and you look in, right? Yeah. Okay. If if you're trying to find out if somebody's inside the house from the outside, you go up to a window, you stop and you look in and you're trying to get a visual. That's the same thing elk do. They want to get a visual. So you got to think about when I'm setting up. So I have an elk coming to me at a lower grade and I'm up on an upper grade. So if I set up on the backside of that grade and that elk comes over and that, that area where he comes over is 70 yards away with stuff in between that bull's still going to come over the top there and stop and scan because he's expecting to see something up there depending on how open especially if it's open right so what you always want to do is you want to be in the spot where if that bull's coming and i have a grade and he has to top out i want to make sure i'm within my shooting range 30 yards of that stop and scan or if I have a tight setup, I want to make sure I have shooting lanes where that critter's going to have to come through to stop and scan. All right? And, you know, there's people who say, well, a lot of times that animal will come in and he's, and he's straight on on you. 
oh, okay. Been there, so, done that. Yeah. If they're straight up on you, there's there's one or draw. two things that are going to happen, man. If he gets a in a stop and scan, he's going to turn to go out, or he's going to keep right. coming at you. If he keeps coming at you, draw and scream that bugle, man. Yeah. Okay? Because you're going to startle him. He's going to jump off. He's going to stop broadside, and he's going to look at you. Try it. Get in that oh. situation. If it doesn't work for you, man, it's better than having no draw at all. Absolutely. I'm, I'm similar to you, what happened to me last year. Yeah. I'm, I guarantee you, I, there has not been a time that I've called a bull in for somebody and the bull boogered and I bugled and he did not stop and look. I'm telling you every time. This year when that bull boogered, when Brendan was trying to get his rangefinder pulled up and, and put up and draw, that bull boogered, I bugled, stopped him dead in his tracks at 35 yards. Yeah. That's a dead bull walking. I'm telling you right now. He got a gift from God that my peep sight turned on me because it was over. And I knew it was going to be over. But, again, being able to call and make the sound – for that that to happen is huge you know you yeah. guys just gotta b- believe that you can do that know that you can if the the bull's frontal he's gotta turn left or right joe knew when we call that bull uphill joe knew that was a dead bull i did not want to take a 35 yard frontal shot it was still a little bit of a quarter even it was frontal so i i really i didn't want we knew that bull's gonna turn left or right if he turn. turns left He's he's dead. If he turns right, I got to make a little bit of a movement, and Joe's going to cover my my draw. And why so, do you know that? Because that bull stopped there and scanned for five, ever. six, seven minutes. Yeah. If that bull is uh-huh. stopping and scanned over three minutes, he is not going to continue walking forward without some kind of visual confirmation. Confirmation. He, yeah. Yeah. He was going to turn, man, and him turning was going to be the his turn. his. Fatal flaw. Shot opportunity. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Because as soon as he turns, scream a bugle, he stops, looks, arrows off, right? So Yeah, man. Dude, yeah. it was like simultaneously. As yep. soon as Joe bugled, bull stops, looks right at us. He looked right into the window of it. <laughs> Over. Yeah. yeah, and and that's the thing that I, I, I want people to understand is that setups are so cruel. Now look, sometimes you don't get to pick your setup. Sometimes it's an oh crap and they're on you. Oh yeah. Already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're in the old crap, all you're basically doing sometimes is dropping where you're at yeah. and you're getting yourself ready to shoot. But now it's all about using because if it's an old crap situation, they're probably already in an area that they're in 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 your range. So now it's yeah. just focusing on the situation, preparing to see where that animal is looking for the shooting lanes and getting ready to draw and, and scream and take that out. You guys, if you haven't practiced it, I want you to start at the range. I want you to start screaming a bugle as you draw, holding that as you shoot all the way through. Okay? Just practice that. Just with your mouth, no bugle tube. You don't need a bugle tube, man. Mm-hmm. They hear that high whistle at that close, and they're going to be getting after it, all right? They're going to stop and look at you. Okay, so you try that. So I really think setups, choosing the wrong setup is one of the top failure points to get in an elk. 
Okay, in multiple ways, like what Chav talked about and like yeah. a, what I talked about, not planning on where that animal is going to show up and have to, you know, stop and scan. Think about what is going to be their stop and scan location and make sure that it's in your shooting distance. Yeah, man. If you're on one side of a park and you think you're going to call him across that park, ain't happening, son. As soon as he pops out to the edge of that park and he sees no elk, it's hung up time. You got to get across that park and into that thicker stuff so you can get him where you need him you know so work yourself yourself if you're teamed up you you can have a caller way up on the ridge leaving leaving you that's right yeah and that'll pull him across that park pull him across like that and knowing when to set up guys yeah whenever you know when you do a locate bugle and you get a response absolutely that's not the time to set up yeah just because you heard a bull bugle is not the time to set up. You need to analyze what that bull said to you, and you need to cover I ground. I understand yeah, the distance. the wind and cover ground. Great it, point, it's, Cole. It's, Great point. Don't Great think point. that they're just going to come marching over to you a half a mile, and you're, you've been set up there for 45 minutes to an hour. It, he's yeah. probably you, – you haven't said enough to him to get him to come over to you. So yeah. don't set up yet. You know, you've got to, a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but normally it's like 15 to 45 minutes even for me to get a bull convinced enough to come in. So a lot of times there's a lot of covering ground and getting everything situated before we actually set up. Um, You know, so I don't want anybody to get confused about that. Yeah, and we hunt here in our first call. That that depends, Cole. Uh, well, we hunt during the first that. part of the archery season, so it's, uh, it's usually they're not as turned up at, like they are in October, right? I mean, yeah. I, I or, remember or late turning, September, right? Yeah. yeah, and early October, I've turned the mule off and stepped out and went, yeah, and I mean. You better get your stuff ready, dude, because they are coming, you know. Uh, It was crazy how that could happen. But you're right. The first time part of the year we hunt, Cole, especially early season, you're 100% right. You're going to work. Or what Cole's talking about, too, man, that if you have a a, a bull with cows in that late season, you got to look at your watch. Okay, what time is it, man? If it's 9 o'clock, and that guy's bugling out there, there's a good chance he ain't going to come in here because them cows are going to bed. Yeah. So you had better really be able to col- not only close the distance, but if you figure he's with cows and they're moving away, you had better get up and parallel that animal yeah. to their level and start moving with them, not chasing behind them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, Cole, that's a great point. And I, me, I don't know what y'all's distance is, but I like to be in that It, it if it's – tight thick as close as possible but that 150 200 range right in there if i have bulls that are committing then i can bring them in there if i feel like they're starting to move away then i got to get more in that bull's bubble and talk to his cows so as tight as i can get so that i'm in that bubble and what i mean by bubble is once i get into 100 yards of his cows and i'm talking to his cows he's going to have to either he's either going to have to deal with me right or or his cows are going to come to me so he'd better choose to do one or the other he'd better either run away because this bull's coming or he better come get after me right so that's what i mean by that bubble nano you had something to add there yeah i don't fully agree with uh call 
because it all depends. I mean, if you have Louis calling in ball for you. Uh... <laughs> I knew it, Ed. <laughs> well, you got to get close, son. He's got to get close, son. Yeah. Uh, Say you have Beto or Joe or Ninja. Okay, you can It's funny that comes from a guy that I call a bull in and then missed it twice. Oh, he's going to look at the scoreboard. He's going to look at the scoreboard, right? He's going to talk about the misses. Then, yeah, let's look at the miss scoreboard. Um, So, Joe, how about about, about the lack of (laughs) physical conditioning? Oh, wow. The lack of physical no conditioning doubt. can be a huge failure point, man. Because it mine it, for years. I don't think we've touched on that. Too yeah, much. you know, look, um, you and I chased a herd of elk. I mean, we went as old school as you could get, man. Because the only reason I was calling was not to try to bring the bull into me. I was just trying to slow the herd down. So I'm talking to the cows like a bull that's interested, just trying to slow them down a little bit, maybe slow that bull down a little bit just so that we could parallel. Sometimes your calling is not about bringing them to you. It's about just getting them to stop and listen. Slow down. Definitely on a destination. Yes. them to slow down. And and I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about that. I don't, you know, thinking about, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about using. No, because elk are where they are. They're going to where they're going to go. Yeah. But if you you, can just slow them down a little bit so that you can stay with them because, you know, you can can go up stuff that, and they can go up fast. What it would take a long time to get up, you know, so. Way faster than I can go. I can tell you that straight up. Well, but if they dawdle and if they just dawdle just a little bit, <laughs> you know, we're going to take advantage of the ones that don't hustle up, Joe. Dude, we were trying to get it up to those men. And Gilbert said, Joe, stop. I'm, oh, I'm going to I'm going to die. I said, I'm going to die right here. And it wasn't so much of my lungs. It was my foot. My foot was killing me, man. I didn't know if I could go another minute, dude. Because if I can talk, I'm in pretty good shape. So what was the what was the diagnosis? Because Beto would always have a medical word that would explain everything that nobody yeah. would understand. So the foot the foot had a special diagnosis that you know I cannot repeat. What so what is it? What's the foot condition, Beto? Boy, man, foot Joe's con- had it, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you right now. Healed up though. I'm well, well, healed what is it? Come on, man. Just I know, right. toward ligaments healed. in my that, feet. Look, it's, it's healed. We're just going to go rock yeah. it, man. Here, never <laughs> straight, straight up. Hey, yeah. Oh, you want you want the medical term? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's plantar fasciitis. Oh my God, I can never repeat that in my, <laughs> in my life. Oh, that's called plantar. You're talking about the. I thought you're talking about the. Lack of soul itis. What? Lack of what? Lack of soul itis. Yeah. Or the soul shoe off. Yeah. I guarantee you, buddy. I was about to die. My foot was killing me. The 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 little pins were starting to come out in my eyes and everything. I was like, Joe. I mean, first of all, we had elk right in front of us, and Joe will run through a herd of elk to get to another one. So I'm like, oh, my God, please stop. I'm going to freaking die right here on this mountain. 
He's like, y'all just stop. got my ass right here. What's the point of us getting to the elk if I can't shoot? <laughs> That's what I told you. I guarantee you, if I can't get there, it ain't going to be no point. Y'all, I said, y'all to go ahead. Y'all just go. Ahead. go. And, and once we popped out into those elk, they were right there on us. Once we popped, popped out on them, Joe's like, look, man. I'm going to go left and you take Manano and Chad and go right. And that's how we're going to split this deal down the middle. I was, Thank God, please go with them. <laughs> Cole. So failure point, bro. Um, so I think a big failure point for a lot of people um, is their self. Uh, they talk their self out of you know Absolutely. situations or they talk their self out of staying the whole hunt. They talk their self out of, Whatever it is, there's so many excuses out there when when really you just you, – sometimes you have to buckle down and don't listen to the BS that you're telling yourself. State of mind. Forward a little, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, awesome. There's a lot of people, I think, that miss opportunities because they, they – instead of just reacting to a situation or whatever, they talk their self out of it more, more times than none. I totally agree, man. I was watching a movie with my daughters the other day. It's a Disney movie, a new one that came out. And uh, um, these two kids, this one kid that is kind of fearful and the other kid is like, man, just just say shut up, Bruno. And what does that mean? Well, Bruno is that voice in your head that is, you know, making you afraid, that telling you you can't do it. Yeah. So whenever you just want to, you know, man up and get it done, you just say, shut up, Bruno. And then you just go ahead and do it. And so <laughs> it's kind of like what you're talking about is just quieting that, that, uh, that negative thought and, and that state, that positive state of mind makes a huge difference. I, I really my, like my that. My grandpa said to me when I was growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a real, rural part of texas and we're we went all went to one high school k through 12 so you're growing up with a lot of older kids and they'd like to pick on people and stuff like that and he'd tell you he said listen son they can kill you but they can't eat you he said and i'm gonna tell you right now he said you uh you cannot be afraid of somebody like that he said you cannot fear uh anyone and he just instilled that to me from a real early, early age, that fear was something to be uh, dealt with uh, and, and almost laughable, right? That we control that. And uh, then, of course, you're training, you know, through the military or through uh, what we did in uh, police academy and stuff like that. It just taught you how to channel that those types of emotions and stuff where you, how you handle stressful situations and this, that, and the other. So um, fear is something that 100% grips all of us when we're in the, in the woods. I mean, bears, bears out there. There's all kinds Beto, of Beto, how did you manage your fear when the bear goes like that and let's go? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, look, man, there's a time to cut and run. There's a time to stand and fight. And I, I can tell you this, you ain't winning and standing fighting a bear. So uh, I knew when it was time to cut and run, you know, That's uh, fear, right same fear. thing. It's the same thing. Cole makes a great point, though. Uh, you can't yeah, talk yourself like out of something. You know, you you got to believe in yourself and believe in your training. You spent 365 days getting prepared to come up here and test yourself against the elements and test yourself against the critters that live there. And, uh, you know, that's why we do it. I mean, yeah. 
Look, I, I'm telling you, it is the number one most painful thing I do every year because I know I'm going to push my body to its absolute brink. And the, the satisfaction of getting it done is all the more sweeter, you know. So your preparation mentally is a key, no doubt, Cole. Uh, I think, yeah. I think, I think it's even more important than physical, yes. you know, because yeah, if you're I not equipped too. mentally to be up there and be in in their element, and then I, you're in a lot of trouble. I'll take it one more step. I'll add something to Cole's is that a lot of people accept mediocrity before they ever begin, and you know they they basically you know, have this self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, well, I might not get an elk, but I'm going to have fun. And look, we're always going to have fun when we do it. But yeah. I, I just, you know, that part of it of, of, you know, giving yourself the out, you know, it, it's already putting a negative. Yeah. Yeah. In your it, thought it, process. Yeah. You know, don't, don't accept that. Don't accept that whatever the people buy, you know, that uh, people sell that, you know, here's the stats. This is how many people kill every year. Well, you know <laughs> what? If, if they say only 10% of the people out of everybody are going to kill an elk, then be one of that 10%. Hell yeah. Don't plan on being yeah. part of the 90, you know? Uh, I like eating elk meat. Like I said, I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> elk hunter, so yeah. it don't matter to me. Now, look, if I get an opportunity to kill a bull, I'm going to do that. But it's really important while you are doing the, the hunt and follow your procedures and hoping to get a bull, enjoy the hunt also. There's a, there's a really, uh, there's a yellow line between being a mediocre and, and, and being the people. I mean, I, I enjoy all the, all the time what I'm hunting. If I get a bull, great, amazing, awesome. But if I don't get a bull, I, I wouldn't get upset. Yeah, but you don't go out there you don't um, go out yourself that you may not without belief. No, no, I don't. I don't, I don't even think yeah, about. No, no yeah. listen oh, to me, yeah. Manano. If he's in oh. the elk woods and there's elk moving about, that guy's. Yeah. No, man. You I don't, get I don't one think, talking to you and get one in front of Manano. It's done deal. I man. have no negative feelings in my mind when I go out. None. And yes, none. what I try to what I try to do all the time is. Enjoy the hunt. Enjoy yeah. the whole process. Yeah. In in in. Hell yeah. Call your wife if you don't good. get a bull, that's okay. I mean, you have to you have to go back and rethink what you did and try to get better the next time. But, yeah. Of course, but and, and see, that's where you and I are different. If I don't get if I don't get an elk, it's not okay. Yeah, it's, it's not okay. I tell you, I'm getting more and more like that every year, Joe. I'm gonna have a blast. I'm gonna have yeah. fun. Yeah. We're gonna, We're have, gonna fun. have a great time, but That's it ain't okay. It just yeah. <laughs> it just does not yeah. does not work for me. Well, man. for me, okay, it's okay. Amazing is different word. I mean, <laughs> okay, it's okay. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> Joe. I mean, you know, think, let's you know, kind of in my mind here, recapping, man. We've touched <laughs> we've touched base at the at the psychological, mental level. Yeah, we've touched the physical. We touched on the physical level. We touched on the technical mm -hmm. uh, knowledge. Yes. We touched on equipment. You know, I, I think really the 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 spectrum of potential failures is so broad that it 
I think looking back at these last podcasts is so important to at least identify which ones you need to work on, which ones are your biggest failures until, Absolutely. you know, this upcoming season. And if you haven't been working on those, well, flash, news, news flash, you, you may be a little late, so you, you better get on it. Well, and, and like, like we said, there's things that in the heat of the moment, you know, having, you know, having not checked your equipment or having a shot routine so that, you know, you're going to be the same every time or having checked it so that, you know, that uh, everything's pulling right or your peep gets turned or, um, you know, uh, you don't recognize your shot placement you know those types of things right there are things that you can definitely have down so that those are not going to be the issue there and you're always going to fight your physical you're always going to fight your mental you're always going to fight your comfort all of us are going to that's going to be a new challenge every year every year every Mm -hmm. year Uh, but you can get some of these things that minimize about yeah like bending at the waist down an extreme shot you know um you know that just calling and believing in your call set or leaving too early or or not being you know uh, a believer in that so uh, those things can end up you know if somebody out there if somebody out there was getting ready to sit up and go oh, i listened to their show they said give it a half hour and all of a sudden, the bull showed himself, and they killed it. Done deal. We've done our job, man. Yeah. It's just like because they heard that and they 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 fed into it. They just stopped a failure point right there. So yeah. you know, if if all of our listeners out there, if one thing happens that they remember from what we talked about and changed that in that moment, so that they had success, boom. You know, then, they've done our job. Yeah, yeah, then all of this is not wasted breath. We're worth the salt, man. So mm-hmm. that's what this is all about. And I'll tell you, I'm just going to finish with with one last thing that I would tell people is this: is is look, do not have a limited strategy set. Don't be that same old rodeo. Don't go. I've I've heard people say I just need to call, hike, call, you know, challenge bugle, um, and find that one that wants to play because. Again, listen to what's going on out there, man. You know, 10% are killing, 90% aren't. How many people are just challenging, challenging, challenging? They're just call, hiking, calling. You know, sometimes that works, but you got to be prepared with other strategies when it doesn't. Okay? And that 10% of people, it's usually repeating. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the same people doing it. It's the same 10%. We are killing 90% of the animals. Yep. It's the same same 10%. So, and then then there's a reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I can tell you this. When when we hunt, when we hunt with you, Joe, it's, we know we're hunting with a coach, you know, and you're calling and we're working together in the whole nine yards. Ain't none of us want to let Joe down. That drives us every time we're in the woods. Right. Where whether it's me and Brendan, you know how bad I wanted Brendan to kill a bull with me? I mean, dude, we worked tremendously hard and got really close several times, you know. I, I wanted to make that happen for that guy so bad I could taste it, you know. So and that's that's part of this, you know. Uh I was willing to never get in a, a set and worry about me killing a bull for three or four days. Because I wanted that to happen for that guy, you, you know? know, and and I mean, Joe and I showed up 
early uh, and had opportunities, but we had so much fun with the camera and all kinds of other stuff. I mean, if we're really, I mean, we're really downright going to get it done. We we're done the first day we're there, you know, but we're playing with cameras and decoys and just (laughs) really checking out where, where the elk are. I mean, and before you know it, we're in the middle of them, you know? So um, it's, it's all about, you know, you guys getting up there and believing in what you got going on and, uh, and then, and if you're working with a team like we do, challenge each other, man. You know, challenge each other. I, we, I always challenge Luis. <laughs> well, no even, Is that no, a challenge? Even if I don't say it, I y'all challenge, challenge me yourself. Y'all challenge all the me. Time. Yeah. That is a challenge. So they, they um, challenge me for sure because these guys can get up early. Cook, I challenge you when, all I, night, when I make paella. Or Picanha. Yeah. Dude. No means no. Man, I tell you. No more means no more. My system, yeah. Yeah. My system (laughs) is like, stop, man. I'll tell you what, I can make a a bear bear blush out. I can make a bear blush out in them woods. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, um, guys, we hope that this series um, is something that, that helps you. Um, I'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. If, if any of this is something that rang true in your head this coming season and helped you accomplish and punch that tag, we'd love to hear from you about that. So, uh, that's, that's that. Um, now for our Elk Bros mailbox, I I've made an executive decision here. We actually had, we have two, um, questions here and one of them is about uh, cows uh, out of Arizona and we're going to do that one but one of these questions and I look I love this name man it is from Brady Bull out of Corpus Christi Texas shout out to you Brady man and uh, in fact somebody somebody texted me wanting a shout out Wanted Gilbert to give him a shout out. Daggummit. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look for that and we'll do it on the next show. Don't let me forget, Gilbert, there's somebody that sent me a, a, a direct message on Instagram wants you to give him a shout out. So okay. we gotta we got to find that. So don't mm. let me forget that. But uh, Brady Bull out of Corpus Christi, Texas, is giving us scenarios with a herd bull. And what we're going to do is we're going to go over herd bull scenarios um, on our next show. And and it's not going to be exactly, I mean, I, all I'm going to do is let you know that herd bull scenarios do not always mean killing the herd bull. Okay, so, and it doesn't always mean killing the biggest bull, and sometimes you can have herd bull scenarios that's going to kill another bull that's going to be bigger than the herd bull. So I'm just, I'm, I'm going to tease you with all of that, but that's what we're going to do next time, is we're going to talk about herd bull scenarios, and uh, we'll, 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 I'm not sure what time of year, if we're going to do it to two different times, but we'll talk about those strategies, man, on the next yeah. time. And Brady Bull, man, we're going to lead it out with you next time, all right? So we'll, we'll take care of some of that. Um, so in our Elk Bros mailbox, Chav, you want to you wanna take, take us out on that one? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, it's an interesting name out of Arizona, so I'm going to pronounce it two different ways. It's uh, Poria Otag or Poria Otag. Tad. 
And buddy, we we you know excuse us, but we're we're not that intelligent. We hunt elk. <laughs> And we do it with a sharp stick. So we're not saying we're bright, man. So, uh, we, we, you know, Chav's giving it his best there. <laughs> okay. Uh, this person asks, I and my hunting partners are archery cow elk hunters and have a hard time finding much info regarding strategies to bring in cow elk. We have a hunt coming up for three cow elk here in Arizona. Is there a specific calling sequence or a specific strategy to bring in cow elk that you guys use or recommend? I know this is a broad question. Any tidbit would be greatly appreciated. And I want y'all to know if I remember right um, from Podia, this was actually in September. So this is still a September hunt for cows in Arizona. Okay. Ooh. Cole, we're gonna take we're gonna let the we're gonna let the flatlander take us out on this one, man. You got any ideas? Yeah, man. If I was gonna be killing a cow, I think um I would go straight to um lost cow or calf calls um or you know, long drawn out cow mews in search of other cows, uh and hoping that I get a response for uh from a cow and once I do and I'm just going to keep repeating those noises and try to draw that cow or group of cows over to me, you know, basically piquing their interest, want to come see what's going on with this calf. Frustrated. I think Frustrated. the scenario that I, I would use. Absolutely. Man, I watched Joe do it. He pulled it off this year. There's a couple of cows uh, that were loose out that big herd past us. And, uh, he thought maybe Brendan was going to shoot one of them. So he said, y'all wait right here. I'm going to call that cow right back to you. And that's exactly what he did, man. He went into that lost calf and lost cow call. And uh, I mean, that cow come running with her head up like to ran Brendan over. And we're both looking at each other like, well, man, is he going to kill this cow or what? <laughs> like, man, he's right there. And Brandon, hard pass. <laughs> so it was really cool, though. I mean, just to be able to call cows to you like that. I mean, that I, I learned a lot just in that little setup. But that's Frust exactly frustrated, frustrated, intense mew. Yeah. And lost mew, frustrated, like, yeah, yeah. it's powerful, too. That, that, those calf cows. Those calf calls are yes. great for bulls too, man. I mean, yeah, they are. It, you know, it uh, it's a great call for bulls. It's something that is kind of neutral. It means that there's cows around. Um, there could be a reason that cow pushed that calf off as she's getting ready to come into estrus. I mean, so there's there's lots of reason that calf count that calf call works like that. And the only thing I was going to add to Cole is is that you know what he's talking about is there's going to be three ways or three things that you can go towards when you're talking to cows. It's going to be their herd instinct. It's going to be their maternal or protective instinct, and it's going yeah. to be their breeding instinct. And you can bring cows to you sounding like the biggest, baddest bull in the woods, man. And uh, you can have cows come right to you because they're going to look for that bull. That And you can actually bring those cows off of a bull to you. And there's something that we talk about that I that we have called before, and we call it a convergence. And I don't know if people really have that pictured in their mind. But just understand, let's say that you have three different herds 
herd bulls with cows that maybe even have satellites. And they're in three locations at the bottom of a mountain moving up. And for some reason, it seems like they always end up coming together at some location there, what we call a convergence. And those bulls are screaming the whole time. Well, remember, the cows lead the bulls. And if they hear mm. other bulls that they think are bigger or possibly better suitors and stronger go than look. the bull they have with them, they're going to go to that bull. So you can call cows off of we've done that guys remember we yeah, did that yeah. with coming up we brought the cows right to us man so how about but joe there's also a, a potential um issue out of that right if you're not careful enough what you may end up doing too is that big bull will try to push the cows away to try to come and then confront that bull right yeah he can try but it, it depends on a couple of things it depends on how many cows he has with him number one you know, yeah, if it's just a small bull with a couple of cows, he's going to try to run her off like that. But I'm talking about a herd bull with a number of cows, man. And mm. I've seen it where they've come into water, where they're coming to feed. They're all converging in that area. Yeah. And one bull, will, yeah, one bull will go up and kick that other bull's butt and then steal his cows and bring them down. You know, it uh, it it's it's a neat phenomenon, man, because. I can pull just by sounding big and raspy and like I have cows, I can pull cows that are like, hey, let's let's go that way. Now, the problem with that, though, is unless I'm if I'm not hunting cows and I'm hunting the yeah. bull, it's a little bit tougher to get to them because now you got a bunch of eyes in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it kind of. And they know you there. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing about cows. Cows are a lot smarter than bulls. So they're a lot harder. Sometimes you got to get the group head in your way and then just shut up and wait for the shot. Once you get the group head in your way, you just shut up, man, and, and let them come in. Because if you already have eyes on cows and let's say they're inside a park and you come to that edge and you throw a cow call, you're screwed. Because they're like, gotcha, you know, same thing. Show yourself, you know, and and they know all the other cows in the area right now, and so they're they're going to get spooked and they're going to head out of there. Now, if you're in thick stuff as they're heading up trees and cows are all spread out, that's the best time to use that lost calf call or lost cow call to pull them over to you. And you guys saw how that works because we've done that as well. Um, yeah, so they come there. So you're either going to use the herd instinct where you're just walking, sounding like a herd, and maybe a cow and a calf is going to come to join that, or you're going to use that maternal where, like Cole says, you're using those cow and cow and calf calls, or you're going to use that breeding uh, type sounds to try to bring them. Look, man, try to bring in that doggone herd bull by calling to his cows and pull them off or get in there, follow those, you know, those bull bugles, you're going to find cows. And I mean, if you want to find the cows, hunt the bulls. You want to find the bulls, hunt the cows. I mean, it's, it's real easy. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic content, Joe. I mean, you know, when we're, when we're out there, you got to make these game time decisions, you know, so it's always good to, you know, when you're hunting by yourself, it can get kind of dicey, but you know, we hunt in teams and it's actually, it's actually enhanced our ability to be able to close the deal on a lot of scenarios 
or understand the scenario after it happened, how we either messed it up or, you know, we can do better next time, you know. So I think if you guys are out there doing it yourself and y'all are first time elk hunters, man, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to learn. Get out there and get in the middle of it and uh, blow some stuff up. And, you know, like Joe said, I mean, you to call a cow in, uh, to you, it just got to sound like a lost calf and a lost cow. They're going to come. I promise you they're, they're herd type animals and, uh, they definitely want to take care of one another. So, um, that's a really good question. If you want to get wet, you got to jump in the puddle. The actor got to jump in the (laughs) pond. If y'all want to get wet, Joe's fantastic stuff, man. It's always awesome to have the mafia in the house and the flatlander himself here offering up great, great content uh guys if you like what we're doing please subscribe rate and review us you got to go to apple podcast or itunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com and just a reminder if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show just send your question to info at elkbros.com that's i-n-f-o at elkbros.com and like we say down here in texas husbands kiss your wives wives kiss your husbands hug your babies keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry and we'll see you next week right here on blue collar elk hunting and for all our grinders out there some more music from our brother tony wintrip to close out the show laters everybody Peace. peace out This lonesome highway I'm headed towards the sea There's no one in this pickup truck but me All of my cash in my pocket I'm about to bet it all on myself This could be faith This could be heaven, or this could be hell. While the wheels in my mind are turning, like the tires that ride on the road, I'm looking for someone to share with me this heavy load. Mighty one, can you shine your light? Shine your light on
Well 